0: me. Close your eyes and go on a dream with me. Imagine you are sitting in the passenger seat of my silver Honda Accord. The sun is shining, warm spring sun rays falling on your face, bright blue sky with a few big puffy white clouds hanging low in the sky. You are riding through the beautiful Tennessee countryside. Farmlands on both sides of the car, new winter wheat, soybean, and cornfields ripple past the window. Your arm rests on the open window seal of the car. You glance in the side mirror of the car and see my little dog's snuffy face resting on the back window seal, his ears fluttering in the wind as he sniffs the countryside air. You let out a sigh, (sighs) releasing the stress of the last week. Sigh with me. No, come on, Storystone listener, sigh with me, like you're really in that car, enjoying the drive, letting the stress of your work week float out that car window. (sighs) Now you have a sweet smile on your face, don't you? You lean your head back and close your eyes as warm wind blows across your face and sweeps your hair back. Then you begin to smell it. As the car slows and pulls onto a gravel drive, you smell the sweet, sugary smell, the smell of strawberries. (laughs) Yes, you have pulled up to strawberry fields, big enough to send the perfume of strawberries warm in the sun, floating to your nostrils, making your mouth water. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Storystone. I love taking you off to La La Land and escape from life for a bit. But you know what's awesome about that dream you just had with me? It's attainable. Yes, it's what I do with my kids every spring. It's a great kickoff to the bounties nature provides us throughout the summer. I love picking strawberries. Okay, okay, some years it's actually a hard task, but I have been picking strawberries every spring since I can remember. It's become a spring tradition for me. Strawberry season comes really early in Tennessee. It caught me off guard the first year I moved here, but thank goodness Woodall's Farm put signs out on the highway pointing you to the fields. The signs just have a big strawberry on it. (laughs) Apparently, that's all you need. No name, nothing but a hand-painted strawberry, and an arrow. Every year I see it and I think, wait, is it that time already? Oregon strawberry season is later, so I guess that's why I don't see it coming. But I should, since by now spring is in full gear. Right now, as I write, I'm looking out my back window into the forest and the green of the new leaves is such a bright lime green it makes my pupils constrict and almost makes me squint. It's so vivid. The frequent spring rain has made the bark on the trees black. Such a lovely contrast to the lime green of the leaves. Anyhow, I've digressed. Let's get back to the strawberry picking stories because, you know, this is Storystone, and that's why you hit the play button, wasn't it? To listen to a story. So let me tell you about picking strawberries as a child because it makes me laugh every time I talk about it. Picking strawberries here in Tennessee is totally different than where I grew up in Oregon. Here, it's easy and relaxed. No one gets in a hurry. The first time I went picking at a local farm called Woodall's, I think I confused the woman running the stand. I kept asking about which row to start on and where was the stake to start at. She kept giving me this puzzled look, finally telling me, just pick a row, honey, any row you like. You see, in Oregon, strawberry picking is serious business. Every strawberry is potential income, so they cannot be eaten before paid for. Each row is monitored closely. No skipping rows, no stealing a big perfect one you see from another row. Now, here I go, talking faster and faster since the story starts to spill out. I'm running down that story stone lane. Now you better run along with me. Strawberry picking was usually a family affair. Wait a second. You know, this is making me stop and laugh suddenly. I never thought about how many of us would go picking together. Makes me chuckle thinking about it. Really, I never thought about this before. No wonder things were so serious. The owners of the fields must have groaned when they saw the Hershers piling out of their cars and vans to come pick in their fields. My grandma and Grandpa Hersher were the leaders of the pack. Then there would be my Aunt Barb and her four girls, Aunt Cheryl and her two boys, my mom, maybe my dad, with my sister and I. I remember my great-aunt Vi going with us once, even. I mean, that's like 15 people all at once descending upon the field. Um... Maybe that's why it became a serious thing for the farmer. We were like a pack of locusts, mowing those strawberries down. (laughs) We'd spill out of the cars, large Tupperware containers bouncing across the packed gravel parking lot. We kids would be darting to the edge of the fields, grabbing at the red berries and stuffing them in our mouths, while our moms would be pulling us back, telling us we had to pay for them before we ate them. A few of the adults would go to the stand to find out where we could start picking. Now, this is where it gets serious. There would be a stake in each row. The stake would start at the beginning of the row at the beginning of each day. As you picked, you had to take the stake with you, and when you were done filling up your container, you would place the stake where you stopped. Then the next person to pick on that row would start at the stake where you left off. If you saw a big, juicy, perfect strawberry in the row next to you, it was off limits, no swiping. My Grandpa Hersher didn't like to follow those rules very well. He ate almost as many as he picked and would grab berries from the adjacent rows as if those rules didn't apply to him. I will never forget the look of horror on my Grandma Hersher's face the time my Grandpa got kicked out of the field for eating too many berries. The farmer had warned him many times, and finally he gave him the boot like an umpire at a baseball game. You're out! (laughs) It's really hard not to eat the berries while you are picking though nothing tastes better than a big ripe juicy strawberry that is hot from the sun yeah hot The warm berry will burst in your mouth and it just tastes sweeter and more aromatic hot from the sun. So we kids would find the biggest berry we could, then peek over at the farm stand to make sure the farmer wasn't watching and pop it in our mouths trying to hide the juice running down our chins. Speaking of juice, strawberry juice stains horribly, so we'd always try to wear our grubbiest clothes knowing good and well they'd come through the wash with telltale strawberry picking stains on them. Not only would the stains come from eating the berries or occasionally dropping one and it bouncing off your shirt, but most of the stains would come from my cousin Scott. Scott was a rascal of a boy. Oh man, was he fun. I was a rule follower and Scott, well, he liked to bend the rules as much as he could. He was always questioning the rules or finding a way around them. Oh, I loved him for it. I loved that he could have the courage to do the things I never dared. Until he'd rope me into it, that is. So there I'd be, trying to see how fast I could fill my bucket when, splat, a big rotten berry would hit my back. Strawberries like to rot at the first little bit of rain. I think they can go from perfect to rotten in a matter of minutes. And a big rotten strawberry was just too much of a temptation for Scott to handle. He'd glance up to make sure the adults weren't looking, lob it at one of the cousins, then duck his head instantly, making it appear he was intently picking berries. (laughs) Now every strawberry picking session would start with my grandma lining us up at the beginning of the rows, telling us there were to be no berry fights this year. Uh Uh-huh, we'd nod with very serious faces. No, I'm serious, she'd say. We don't want to get kicked out again like we did last year. Yeah, it wasn't just my grandpa that got kicked out. We all got kicked out once when it was just the kids and my poor sweet grandma. We got the boot for having a berry fight. Of course, grandma, we got it. No fights. Scott, stop smirking. We aren't going to have a strawberry fight. Then Bonnie would say, I have my favorite t-shirt on, Scott, so you better not hit me with a strawberry. Oh, sheesh, Bonnie, why'd you tell him that? You're just asking for it. Then we'd be given our assigned row. Two kids to a row, one on each side, taking our giant Tupperware bowls or Adam's Natural Peanut Butter buckets in hand, and we marched into the fields with grand visions of how fun it was going to be to pick those delicious strawberries. But you know... Strawberry picking is a lot harder than you think. Actually, it's much harder. The bushes are low lying and you have to either kneel on the ground or stand and bend over. I'm not flexible, so that doesn't work and I don't want to kneel on the ground getting my knees dirty with old strawberries and dirt, so I'd usually squat. The sun tends to get pretty hot and you have to really get into those bushes, pushing back the leaves since the berries like to hide. Then you have to the red ones no white bits on the berry allowed but be careful not to pick the sneaky ones that are rotten on the underside see the picking goes slower than you think there you'd be one quarter of the way into your empty peanut butter bucket yeah we used to buy natural peanut butter in a bucket size and you'd be thinking Oh man, this is taking forever and my back and legs are tired already. Scott would be regaling you on how much he could make picking strawberries with the migrant workers. He'd be over there telling you the math. If you pick one bucket, that's $3 per bucket. I'm sure I could pick five buckets in an hour. So, I mean, that would be like $15 an hour. And if I worked six hours, that would be almost a $100 a day. Scott, you could never pick five buckets in an hour. We've already been here half an hour and you don't even have half your bucket full. Then there, Grandpa would go, taking his fourth bucket to the stand to get weighed. What? How did he just do that? That man could pick strawberries at lightning speed. Well, pretty soon Scott would realize his error. His picking speed was not up to his money making desires, and that's when the berries would start to fly. It would always start out quietly, like nothing was happening. One berry would smack me on the back, I'd look up trying to shoot Scott, my most angry look, but then would be forced trying to hold back a smile when my gaze would meet his big lopsided grin. His body would be shaking in a silent laugh, and I'd mouth, I'm gonna get you back! He'd laugh even more and shake his head, knowing I would probably miss him nine times out of ten. Sure enough, when Grandma wasn't looking, I lobbed a big nasty rotten one his way, and instead of hitting him, it hit my sister Bonnie. Smack in the middle of her favorite t-shirt as she was standing up to reposition. Oh, Bonnie can spit fire. No, really, I've seen it. And when it came to her clothes when we were younger, she wasn't just spitting fire, she was breathing it like a dragon breathing fire. She was hard to please when it came to clothing styles. so when she found something she liked, she cherished it. But hey, it was her fault for not wearing some junky t-shirt to the berry field, right? Ah! She picked up a big berry and pelted me with it right out in the open, not caring if anyone saw. Scott used that distraction to fire off several more berries at the other cousins. I think he must have had a whole bunch of rotten ones lined up just waiting to attack because those berries came in a rapid fire. Smack! 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 The wet splat against heads, chests, and rear ends could be heard across the field. Grandma's head popped up instantly along with all the other parents. We all froze. Ryan pretending to stretch, Rory (sighs) yawned. Scott was magically back at it, picking at grandpa rate like nothing happened. Bonnie was left standing there with smoke wafting from her ears, the anger palpable to everyone. Then my oblivious mom stood up saying, oh, Bonnie, look at your favorite shirt. It's ruined. How in the world did that happen? She looked at me and pointed her finger in anger. "'It wasn't my fault. It was Scott's. He hit me first. I said. Then my mom would see the rotten strawberry in my throwing hand and give me the, you-are-in-such-big-trouble-young-lady look. Then she'd say, "'Okay, kids, we only have an hour left, so you better keep picking. We need all the buckets and bowls filled.' In a tone of voice that also said, "'And if I catch any of you throwing or eating strawberries, you will be in deep water.' Oh man, that last half of a bucket was monotony. The row next to you would look like it was so much better than yours. My dad would keep getting in trouble because he would always hop rows saying that the other row looked better or his row had already been picked over. You'd start to say things like, man, the strawberries are smaller this year or there's more rotten ones from yesterday's rain. I'm never going to get enough. But eventually you do. Eventually, you get that bucket full. Then you uncurl your back from the hunched position and stretch yourself out. As you walk to the farm stand to weigh in your berries, you notice the migrant workers bent over picking and think, how in the world do they do that? How do they do that every day, all day? Do you ever look at the container of strawberries you buy from the store and think about the hands that pick them? I do. All the time. They don't have machines to pick strawberries. That job is still done by hand. My first job in high school, other than babysitting, was picking blueberries. My dad worked with an ER doctor that also had a large blueberry farm. He roped us into going to picking one summer. We thought it would be great. Easy money, we thought. You know, blueberry bushes are tall, so you don't have to bend down. Right blueberries just fall right into your hands. Easy money, right? Oh man, were we wrong. (laughs) For one thing, teenagers like to sleep in during the summer. So getting up at 6 a.m. every day was not fun. Then spending four hours, yes, yes, the picking days for us were really short. And then there is the fact that you don't get paid hourly, but instead by the bucket. And those buckets were not small. I remember being humbled as I watched one young man and his relatives picking blueberries for their main source of income. Man, could they pick. They picked so fast. I remember thinking to myself, I would literally starve to death if my source of income relied on how fast I could pick berries. <laughs> Needless to say, that was the one and only time I picked fruit as a job. Plus, a year later, they figured out an automatic blueberry picking machine. They shake the bushes and the berries fall onto nets, which take it to conveyor belts. My mom had no sympathy for us that summer. She told us how picking blueberries was nothing, since one summer she weeded onions, Oh man, we couldn't complain after she told us about that. That's worse than picking strawberries, bending over to pull weeds from between the stinky onion plants. She said she smelled like onions that entire summer. No amount of soap would get the onion smell off. Ugh. We just got together for Mother's Day, and I had a nice conversation with my brother-in-law's grandma, Marcy. Marcy grew up in Missouri and had an uncle that would travel every spring to Oregon with his family to the labor camps. They would work in the fields and orchards all summer, making enough money to live off for the rest of the year. That's pretty amazing, but here's some facts about Uncle Harry that are going to make your eyes go wide with wonder. Uncle Harry and his wife had 16 children. Yeah, you heard me right, 16. They lost one baby at birth, another passed away as a small child while in Missouri, and another died while out in Oregon, leaving them with 13 living children. Still, 13 mouths to feed, 13 growing bodies to clothe. I can't imagine. I had to ask Marcy in shock. How in the world did they get all of those kids to Oregon every year? She said matter-of-factly, They drove. Wait a second, I heard myself saying. They didn't have passenger vans in 1949. What kind of car did they go in? Your mouth is going to drop open in shock. Wait for it. It was a blue Packard. Yeah, go Google images of 1949 Packards. It's really a lovely big old car, and according to the internet, the standard seating was for 7 people. So, it makes me laugh thinking about how 13 children and 2 adults all fit themselves into that car. I mean, I guess this was before the days of seat belts. I'm sure there were some kids on the floor. Maybe there was room behind the back seat. Then who knows? Maybe the kids took turns taking naps in the trunk. (laughs) But then where did they put all the clothes and household items needed for a summer in a labor camp? Unimaginable, right? But Uncle Harry would somehow manage to pile everyone into that blue Packard and off they'd go 22 hours, even climbing over a mountain pass. One year he did this without brakes. No people, not brakes as in potty brakes. I mean brakes like the things you need to make your car stop or slow down. The brakes weren't working and that man took his entire family on a 22-hour drive through mountains by downshifting and coasting. (laughs) One last tidbit about Uncle Harry. When he was a child, he had almost frozen to death. I don't know the details of that story, sure it could be a story in itself, save for another time, but it had left him with some brain injury. This made it so that he would fall asleep very easily. One minute talking to you and the next sawing logs. So the entire time driving, the kids had to keep an eye on their dad to keep him awake. Uncle Harry loved going out to Oregon. They worked really hard all summer, then relaxed the rest of the year. Sounded great to Marcy's parents, and one year they decided to go and give it a try. Uncle Harry was a good salesman, and he sure talked it up. Don't worry, Marcy only had one brother, so the drive was much easier than her cousin's drive. Four people in a car sounds like a dream now, doesn't it? After the long drive, they were excited to get to the labor camp, but as they pulled in, their first thought was, Um, we have to live in that tiny little house the entire summer? The labor camps consisted of row upon row of tiny little one-room cabins that had bunk beds, a stove, and a table. Not ideal for sure, but hey, they could tolerate it for the summer if it meant the rest of the year they'd be able to enjoy work free, right? So they made the best of it, organized their few belongings in their new little temporary home, and prepared for the next day. At the crack of dawn the next morning, the rumbling buses and trucks came, different ones for different farms. They stood in a line and were told by the foreman where they'd be assigned to. The foreman loaded Marcy, her brother and parents, onto the back of a truck bound for a pea farm. Okay, they thought, we can pick peas. No biggie. (laughs) Ha. Boy, were they wrong. They got out to a huge, expansive pea field. The foreman threw a large sack to everyone, and off they trudged into the field, ever so slowly filling that sack with pea pods. As they dragged the sack behind them, it became heavier and heavier. The day got hotter and hotter. There weren't regular breaks. No sitting under the shade after lunch for a rest. Just pick, drag, pick, drag, pick, drag. Needless to say, that job wasn't for Marcy and her family. So two days later, her father asked the foreman for a different job. They were then assigned to hoe beets. This sounded a lot like what my mom did with the onions. Long, hot hours battling the weeds that were fighting for soil space with the beets. At least they didn't smell like onions, but still, that job lasted less time than working in the pea field. Marcy's dad was able to get them transferred to a cannery. Phew! Now, that they could handle. Out of the sun or rain, no weeds or dirt, this was going to be great. (laughs) They put Marcy on the conveyor belt line. She was told to stand at the conveyor belt that had all the shelled peas on it and pick out the bad peas as they whizzed past. Okay, easy peasy. (laughs) See what I did there? Easy peasy. (laughs) Anyway, this is how Marcy described it. I was standing there watching all those peas, trying to pick the bad ones out, and before you knew it, I was laying on the floor dizzy. My body just kept wanting to follow the peas along the conveyor belt, and then I fell straight over onto the floor. (laughs) She and I got a giggle over that part. Apparently, she wasn't cut out for even the conveyor belt. Thank goodness they finally found a job for her where she could spend the rest of the summer. They placed her at the end of the line where the cans were labeled and placed into boxes. The cans came down the conveyor belt and then it split into three lines. Each line had a different brand label. All the same peas, canned all the same way, but different labels were placed on the can. One row with Libby's, one row with Green Giant, and one with a generic brand. Hmm, see, I always figured that the generic and brand name were the same. So, Marcy just had to make sure the correct label was going down the last three conveyor belts into the correct boxes. And you know what? She did it! The rest of the summer, she watched those cans go into boxes, occasionally sending a can down the correct line. Now, at the end of the summer, when Harry patted his brother's back saying, See, that was a great summer, wasn't it? Marcy's father sighed and said, Um, I just don't think this was for us. We probably won't be coming back next summer. (laughs) Could you have done that? Could you have gone every summer and worked in the fields picking berries and vegetables, hoeing the weeds, climbing ladders, and picking fruit from the trees? That was back in 1949, but you know what? A lot of the methods are still the same. Most of the fruits and vegetables we enjoy every day are still picked by hand. So next time you're enjoying an apple, stop and look at it and think about the hand that picked it from the tree for you. Next time you pop a grape into your mouth to enjoy the sweetness, think about the person that reached into the vine and snipped the cluster and placed it into the shipping crate. Hard work done by amazingly strong people. And sometimes it's that hard work that makes things taste better. You still have time this spring. Go find your local strawberry field, put on your grubby clothes, take a lovely drive through the countryside, and enjoy picking those berries for your family to enjoy. Make some freezer jam, or how about some strawberry shortcake, my favorite. Oh, oh, or you can freeze some of them for smoothies in the winter. My favorite is to pull some frozen berries out in the winter and make a strawberry sauce for waffles. Then, while we eat the waffles, we reminisce about the day we picked them. Last spring, we had the easiest picking ever. The weather was just right and created giant berries without any rot. We filled our buckets within a half hour. Then we were home and made strawberry shortcake with extra fresh whipping cream. I've made you hungry for strawberries, haven't I? Then I've done my job! Go take a look at my website, www.storystone.org, to see the picture I took of the kids at the strawberry patch at Heads Farms last year. Then send me a message to let me know when you go picking strawberries. Tell me how it went. Send me a picture. Oh, and then one more item of business before I leave you to dream about strawberry fields. I need your stories. Anyone that wants to share a funny time in your life, a memorable experience, or just immortalize a momentous time, let me know. I love telling my own stories, but I also love telling yours. Keep them coming. Dear Storystone listeners, Enjoy the rest of this beautiful month of May, and may it end in strawberry fields. I will catch back up with you in June. Until next time.